the exclusive stories behind music that helped shape and change pop culture. With award-winning broadcaster and best-selling author Jesse Dillon and co-host, award-winning music and media producer Spencer Proffer, you are inside the music. This is Jesse Dillon. You are Coast to Coast Worldwide today, dialed deep inside the music. Steve Binder, an American producer and director, is my guest today, best known as director of The Tammy Show, The Elvis Presley 68 Comeback, and of course, the Diana Ross Live in Central Park series. Steve has worked with all of the great icons of the business over the years, and we're way deep inside today. Steve, you also brought Elvis's career back in 68, which became known as the first Unplugged concert. How did that come about? Actually, if it weren't for Petula and Harry Belafonte, uh, probably touching, <laughs> which was so innocent at the time. I mean, I couldn't believe this became an international, you know, incident of uh, black and white. But there was a lot of racism going on and still goes on, unfortunately. Uh, but it was really a case of it triggered a call from NBC asking if I was available uh, to, to do the Elvis uh television show, which Colonel Parker had actually wanted uh, Elvis to do a Christmas show of 26 Christmas songs. And uh, that's what they bought into. Uh, what happened is the, the Elvis had dried up in making movies at the major studios. And uh, they felt he had peaked out and they weren't willing to put up the money that it takes to make a, to finance a feature film. So Colonel Parker went to obviously this huge television network and he said if you'll put up the money for elvis's next movie which turned out to be change of habit with mary tyler moore uh i'll i'll deliver you uh elvis to do a television special and he didn't tell elvis this so nbc said uh you know we'll do it we'll give you the money to make your movie but elvis has to do a one-hour tv special well, when Colonel Parker told Elvis the deal he made, Elvis balked and said, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do television, period. And so when I got the call from NBC, and this had gone on without my knowledge, I didn't know what was going on behind the scenes, uh, I got a call from the executive producer, Bob Finkel, who actually turned out to be a great executive uh, for me on the special. And he said, you know, uh, Elvis is balking at, even though we have a contract, Elvis is balking at doing this special. And Bob was a, a iconic 50s, 1950s producer director himself. And he said, I thought I would produce and direct the Christmas special myself, but I realize we may never get this special off the ground. And I was reading about your Petula Clark Belafonte show and, and uh, what age you were at the time around the same age as Elvis. And, uh, you know, you weren't afraid of controversy and so forth and so on. And I, I kind of felt instinctively you'd be a good match with him. And so with that, uh, we basically launched the, uh, the comeback special. I had to get Colonel's permission to even meet Elvis Presley when it began. But I set the condition that I wouldn't do anything with Elvis unless he and I met one-on-one -on -one without anybody else and just decided if we would be compatible. In those days, I even thought Elvis might be a, a redneck from, from, you know, the south of the United States, and, and uh, I may not even want to work with him, and, uh, which turned out, incidentally, to be completely the opposite. We ended up being great, 
you know, great relationship while doing the special. Uh, it was the colonel and, and the entourage who really tried to keep me away from him after it was all done. But uh, from day one, uh, you know, we put together, uh, I wasn't going to do a Christmas special to begin with. Somehow I got the colonel's approval to meet with Elvis like I had hoped. And Priscilla Presley told me years later, she said, you don't know, Steve, but when Elvis came home from his first meeting with you, he said, I don't give a damn what the colonel thinks. I'm going with this guy. Just got a gut feeling something good could happen from it. And uh, we set out to do this special. Now, interestingly enough, and I should point out, when I did the Elvis Presley special, I hired a Puerto Rican choreographer, a black choreographer, a very famous backup group called The Blossoms accompanied him on camera during all the big production numbers. We were like a, a mixed bag of behind the scenes of every race, religion, color you could think of. And nobody said anything. And Elvis was all for it. I mean, he never once came to me and, and uh, complained about anybody on the show. He loved the show. And it was interesting also that he joined my team. I didn't become part of the Elvis world or entourage or anything. My one and only experience was with, with uh, you know, the comeback special. In fact, I never saw Elvis after we said goodbye the last time uh, at NBC. And uh, it was really a case of uh, I was thrilled a year later when I went to see him in Las Vegas uh, when he opened at the uh, International Hilton Hotel, and I thought he was fantastic. And then I went back about six months or a year later to see him again, and I knew it was all over. I knew by that time he was bored with appearing there and the audiences, and he was performing more for the orchestra behind him. Uh, there's so many stories. Uh, you know, there's so many projects going on right now uh, that I happen to be involved in. One is uh, I wrote a behind-the-scenes book uh, on the 68 special that will be coming out next year in conjunction uh, with Baz Luhrmann's over $100 million feature film with Tom Hanks that they're shooting in uh, Queensland, Australia. And, uh, and then also uh, I'm very flattered that they're going to do a documentary on my relationship with Elvis uh, with a very – you know, well-known documentary director who I'm excited about, and and Spencer happens to be sitting there as as the 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 uh, you know the guy behind the scenes who's putting all of these uh, together, and uh, you know, so I'm thrilled with that, and uh, but it really is a case of where uh, you know what's really important about that entire special is not only did it. Uh, Fortunately, Elvis told me that he wanted to not waste time driving back and forth from the studio to his rented home with Priscilla in Beverly Hills. He wanted to live at NBC. That was the greatest thing that ever happened because uh, we put a bed in his dressing room, and that's where every night after we would rehearse or tape anything, he would go in there, and whoever happened to be hanging around, he would improv with. He would just, uh, uh, you know talk about the old days and do all the song repertoire that he knew acoustically. And I, you know, I said, 
this is better than the costume sets, big production numbers, cast, and what have you. I got to get this on tape. And the colonel said, absolutely not. And I hounded him enough where he said, well, if you want to recreate it on stage, I'll let you do it. Well, that was the first improv and acoustic. And I brought DJ uh, and Scotty Moore in, uh, his original buddies who played with him when he launched his, his career. And, uh, you know, they turned out to be fantastic. And Elvis forgot he was doing television when we were shooting that. He was so relaxed and having so much fun that at first he told me he didn't know what to do or sing or say. He couldn't remember anything he did in the dressing room. And I said, well, just go out there and say hello, and you can say goodbye and come right back in if you can't think of anything. And it was almost the vaudeville trick of, you know, uh, get the long cane with the hook on it and drag him off the stage because he, he, it, it just was phenomenal. He did three hours, actually, of uh, improvisation. And uh, that changed everything. I mean, Elvis, when we, when we actually did the show, I never realized he never sang with a big orchestra in his life. Uh, he always just played with his rhythm section, and then he'd go home, and they'd bring all the other musicians in and overdub the sessions. So it was, you know, for sure. I mean, I maybe, you know, have done hundreds of, of other productions, but nothing will be like, you know, having done the Elvis Presley special. That that was, to this day, I mean, I've never heard anyone or read anything negative about it. I mean, it was, you know, from beginning to end, it, it brought him back. He, he really proved he was the king of rock and roll. Steve Binder, let's play an Elvis track. Your turn to choose. Well, the one that means the most to me, to be honest with you, uh, and he only performed it on the television show. He never took it out in the concert after the show. And I, I, I choose to believe that the reason was he felt it was so special. And that is the Colonel wanted a Christmas song at the very end, realizing he lost all the battles to me about the concept of the show, the material in the show, everything that the one thing he held out for and, and even told NBC he wouldn't allow them to air the special unless he got his Christmas song in the show. Uh, and I, I, I never did a Christmas song in the show. Elvis did in the improv section. He did Blue Christmas, thank goodness, and, and that saved it from uh, never being broadcast, I guess. But the song that meant the most to me, which I did put in at the end, which an original song by our choral director, Earl Brown, on the show. And Earl and I were friends and did a lot of projects together over the years. But he wrote an original song based on me telling him, now that we all know Elvis personally, I want you to write a song. I actually told him and Billy Goldenberg, our music director as well. But I want you to write a song condensing all the things we know about Elvis personally. And I think this shocked a lot of people who thought Elvis was, you know, like I originally thought, uh, a redneck, a conservative, uh, probably, a, uh, you know, would have been a trumper today, whatever. But uh, he wrote a song that Elvis sang that to me still to this day gives me goosebumps, and that's called If I Can Dream. This is Elvis Presley. If I can dream, deep inside the music with me, Jesse Dillon, my co-host Spencer Proper. There must be lights burning brighter somewhere. Got to be birds 
Flying higher in a sky more blue If I can dream of a better land Where all my brothers walk hand in hand Tell me why, oh why, oh why Can't my dream come true Oh why, there must be peace and understanding Sometimes strong winds of promise that will blow away all the doubt and fear. If I can dream of a warmer sun where hope keeps shining, oh, everyone tell me why. Oh, why? Oh, why won't that sun? Jesse Dillon and renowned music producer Spencer Proffer.